0: Yama, I'm Gamilaroi and Dungutty woman, Marley Silver, and this is Always Was, Always Will Be, Our Stories, the podcast where I sit down with some of the most inspiring Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander role models in the country. When I say debutante ball, what comes to mind for you? A bunch of teenage girls giggling, buzzing with nerves and excitement, dressed in flowing gowns, off to a flash venue for the night of their lives, ready to debut into society whatever that means, when you picture those girls and that event, do you picture them as being Aboriginal? And if I told you that Aboriginal people have a history with the debutante ball that reaches back to the 1967 referendum, would you be surprised? Debutante Race Resistance and Girl Power is the brand new podcast from none other than the dynamic duo that is Nakia Louie and Miranda Tapsell. From the 16th of June, through this Audible original podcast, you'll be able to follow their journey from a tea time etiquette lesson in London, where the dead ball began, along a trail to discover how First Nations women across the globe have made this tradition their own. Nakia and Miranda ask, can beauty, poise and politeness actually empower them? Or is it better to get angry and start shouting? I'm absolutely thrilled to say Nakia and Miranda are my guests on today's podcast. As a huge admirer of both of their works, to say it was hard not to fangirl on this Zoom call I had with them is an understatement. In this chat, we talk about the new podcast, feminism, sisterhood, beauty in a black body, and why they love working together. I could gush on and on about why their voices and their presence in the public eye mean so much to me and many others, but I'll just let them speak for themselves. This real life um but I really appreciate it and I'm gonna try my best not to fangirl because I'm such an admirer of both of your work
1: oh no no that's so kind you're you're deadly I love um titters for titters by the way as well oh, thank you Like so it's much. so great
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um well I start every single podcast with the same question uh that age job one we know very well which is what's your name who's your mob and where are you from
2: uh, so, I'm Miranda Tapsel. I'm a proud Larrakia and Tiwi woman from the Northern Territory.
1: I'm Nikia Louie. I'm a proud Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, Gumaroi, Torres Strait Islander. Um, funny story. I just don't know. I think this is funny when I go, like, who, who's your mob and where are you from? So, my full name is Nikia Naluuyama Hope Louie. And Nikia Naluuyama means uh special one who is grandmother's daughter. But Hope is after uh, Hope Brady from Days of Our Lives. Because my pop loved Days of Our Lives so much that he oh made mum name well, like, me, I hope, after her. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Hey, like, oh, my God. It's, it's so...
2: And how they had that cup of tea afterwards and that scotch finger to break it all down, like to, to, to deconstruct what just happened in the episode and talking about them characters like they're real people too. Yeah, I know. Hey.
0: <laughs> That's hey, so funny. Hey. That's so funny. I love um I feel like my nan's the same with like her her things that she loved. My my dad's nickname is Rocket. And um he used to be a he was played in the NRL and everyone thought that they called him Rocket because he was really fast. But um it's actually because my Nan loved Rock Hudson, who was like an actor and called him Rock <laughs> growing up and then it became Rocket. And he's like, I you know, I let people think it's because I'm fast, but that's actually what it's about. So <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, you know, if
2: you're under something good, you just
0: Yeah. <laughs> lean into it, eh? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's amazing uh, that's um, so black. <laughs> yeah it is saying. well another thing that is so black but I don't I think you know white fellas don't understand how black it is is the debutante ball right um yeah. and when I heard about this podcast that you guys are doing I laughed because I thought oh my gosh this is such a thing uh, I remember actually some of my cousins did the debutante ball in Mount Druitt that your mum runs Nakia so oh. Who? Yeah. Can we say their names Oh, privacy? Yeah, we'll talk, uh, yeah after, 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 after. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I'd love for you guys to talk a little bit to, you know, what the debutante ball means in our community today.
1: Oh, look, um, I, I you know, I kind of, um, I, this, doing this podcast, yeah, because it was, we just kind of, I don't, it just seemed, we just kept talking, you know, Miranda and I love pop culture. So when we were trying to figure out, you know, what we wanted to do this podcast about, um, we, uh, we just, uh, I I don't know. we, We just kind of kept coming back to this. And I think when we were like, let's do it about debutables, I didn't kind of realize just how far this journey would go. Um, but, Having And the reason I say that is, like, having been on, on that journey, having, you know, gone like, gone, you know, to other debutant balls, having, you know, gone to, I guess, where it all started, the Queen Charlotte's Ball in the UK, you know, the very kind of exclusive arist- aristocratic white ball, and then, you know, putting that in contrast with the ball, like the Mount Druid Aboriginal ball that my mum runs, I think the ball for me today is a real act of solidarity and an act of rebellion I think it's this kind of wonderful way of taking something that was incredibly exclusive you know kind of a beacon of white supremacy right it was classist racist sexist um the the queen charlotte's ball that that first ball happened as invasion was happening across the world slavery and the reason they got to wear those beautiful dresses and trade that land you know the father's trading daughters to, to trade their land the reason they got to do that is because they are making money off the backs of black people you know on the backs of stolen land um so taking that and then completely in a way ruin, ruining it making it not classist making it black um, you know the ball that my mum runs is not a uh, they, they the only thing they really charge for is tickets which are real cheap. Um, it's all community funded. Um, you know, so making that it's it's there's a real no price obstacle there. Just making it this celebration of Aboriginal youth of going, this is this is our youth and this is where they're from. We brought them here and we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate them. To me, the debutante ball is just a fabulous party where you say f you. To white supremacy and colonization, it's it's an act of protest to me. That was a bit rude. What about you, Tabs? Hey,
2: (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
1: by having a party, (laughs) which is very black.
2: um, Yeah, it was just so. It was just so powerful to see, um, because it was all about. Uh, It was all about it was not only about reclaiming, like reclaiming a tradition. It's also about reclaiming space that was always ours. (laughs) Um, And you know that the the very first debutante ball that um, um, that Aboriginal people attended that um, Charlie Perkins was behind. um, It was it was actually it was also a way to um, to show that, that we were human. Um, and I think that that was, uh, it was just such a gra- it was so, um, it was such a powerful and grand statement to make at the time. And it was, it's beautiful to see how it's evolved into something that's, that's more, um, that's more, uh, honest and authentic to, to who we are as a collective
1: totally I, I didn't realize that that first aboriginal debutante ball happened a year after the vote yes referendum um which is i kind of think it's almost you know kind of funny that blackfellas had a ball after that and then um but it was to protest public gatherings like the limitations of aboriginal people gathering in public um and what a way to do it hey by having a, yeah. a town hall and it's, and it's like
2: hey well if you're not going to invite us to your debutante ball we'll have our own like <laughs> so,
0: so yeah I think it's so amazing and, and like the whole way through this new podcast of, of yours the way you guys balance sort of the education and the history with the comedy of it you know and how it, it's sort of this like amazing middle finger to tradition like I think that's that's so exciting. And I think, um, you know, even your guys' first podcast together was um, Pretty for an Aboriginal and, and all the yeah. connotations around beauty and, and that kind of stuff. I, I heard um, some of the conversations that you had with some of the current Debs and then some of the Arnie's who did it back in the day. How do you think it affects yeah. their perception of their own beauty?
1: Uh, look, I think, you know, I think, I, I think we see so few mm-hmm. We we see so rarely, we, we don't see a lot of public, like, I'm oh, sorry, a lot of black bodies in our mainstream media. We don't have enough representation. You know, for me, someone who gets to have a platform, I'm always trying to figure out how do you make that platform bigger and how do you kind of pass on that that privilege? You know, otherwise, what what's the point? And I think the great thing about the debutant ball is I think, you know, we, we celebrate these black bodies especially at the moment in a time, you know, you know, you have to, this is, well, Black Lives Matter is happening around the world and we're seeing so much police brutality. Our, you know, so much of our media is now saturated with brutality and violence against black bodies, you know, murder. Um, And so it should be because we need to see it. But I think, you know, as Aboriginal people, these are images that we're not unfamiliar with. Right. So I think, You know, I think if anything, looking at our history, looking at kind of our representations in media, we're almost kind of taught to expect to be devalued because of our bodies, to expect violence and trauma because of our bodies. So I think to have a space where you are beautiful because of your Blackness, and that's all shades of Blackness, you know what I mean? But because of who you are and because of your mob and your history and your community, I think that does, you know, um, make people feel beautiful and just the act the act of putting on a dress that makes you feel or whatever outfit you want to wear that makes you feel like the, the act of putting on the clothing the ritual of the makeup and the hair and all of that stuff and the I guess the community that comes around that you know um, Arnie's the, the the chats that Arnie's have with at the Carbon one they make some of them make their dresses those chats you know everyone in the room getting their hair done and makeup and all of that, like that type of ritual bonding, I think that definitely gives people worth. One of my favorite stories is with my auntie Dot, who made her, de- her debut when she was 70. Oh. And she said she grew up on Hollywood Reserve, which I just thought was the funniest name, Hollywood. And she said she grew up in Hollywood, tells people she was always meant to be a star. And she used to walk at the reserve, the white fellows would throw rocks at them and call them abos and she never thought, ever, that she'd ever be able to be a debutante and she said the day that she put on a debutante dress and she wore a red dress and she put on her gloves and she did her hair and makeup she got a limo to the ball she said she felt like she never thought she'd be able to feel that beautiful (laughs) and I just you know that really yeah I think we can't take for granted you know I mean I'm really into pop culture and, and I think, you know, so often we we think about these things are, are worthy or more worthy than others, which I think is a real white question. You know, And I think a lot of the, it's funny when you, we spoke to black fellows about it, they completely got it. It was kind of sometimes speaking to white fellows, who were like, well, is this worthy enough protest or is this, you know, is this where you should be focusing your attention? You know what I mean? And it's like, well, yeah, if it gives people worth and brings a community together and, and even just having the pictures to put up on your wall, mm. you know, Anyway I'm talking to my, know, my, my, talk.
0: <laughs>
2: it kind of like it kind of blows my mind too um that there are so many books now that like that are written at, like that kind of talk about how Aboriginal women were perceived by um like by the like by the first settlers and um you know, there's often accounts of, you know, there's very, like, um, strong descriptions about how ugly the Native woman is, Um, the Native Black is, the Native Black woman. And it was just, um, and so when people kind of say, well, Miranda, don't you see that you're beautiful? It's like, well, it's more than just, it's more than just, like, you know, seeing, you know, um the generic blonde-haired, blue-eyed, you know, Brazilian or, you know, like um it's more than just not seeing yourself in media, it's just how we've been perceived for so long. Like um for people to like people told my mum, oh your mum was so beautiful as like as a young woman. Um, she was just stunning it was like um, like it was Naomi Campbell had just kind of come through and um, so things were sort of starting to change a little bit Um, like the the gaze started to shift on what the epitome of beauty was but it's still um, you know I think it's I think people don't I think people underestimate how much that plays on black women's minds. Like, um, will I be treated, will I be treated with the same respect as you know, my non-indigenous peers, because I don't, um, because, you know, um, they're all aware that I'm Aboriginal and it's, and, you know, I don't look like, you know, I don't look like Miranda Kerr or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, um, it's, it, it, I think, well, it, I think I, I have, I grapple with it. I think more than I acknowledge, I think.
0: Mm. And it's like, you know, particularly our young ones now, you have your your Instagram models that you're already comparing to body-wise and then on top of it you've got skin colour and then just the general perception of the the men around you, what they find attractive and that's a a, a lot of the whites that are on layer on layer. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely.
2: Um, And I know I, I like... You know, I know skin colour is a little bit different for us because we come in, we come in all shapes and colours and sizes. But it's just more about, you know, I think it's just more about how, in history, we've been, we've been treated. I think um, how black women have been treated.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that gaze is so important. Like you know, and 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 who are you? Because I remember, like, I mean, part of the deputy ball on Mount George is that, as I was saying, some of the the women, young women get to make their own dresses. And I think that's really important, too, because, you know, I grew up being a big girl and I'm going to my year 10 formal and I couldn't find a dress that fit me, you know, and didn't feel beautiful. Like, so, you know, there's so many, there's so many pressures and there's so many expectations and and gazes. So I think to be able to be in a a space that just kind of celebrates you
0: is incredibly important. Mm um so the full title of the podcast is debutant race resistance and girl power and that girl power element i mean, earlier on this year around international women's day i was asked to go to lots of things and a big question I, I get all the time is um you know about how do you make your feminism intersectional and whatever whatever and i wonder how do you guys feel about like the the whole feminist ideology and how it works for us because sometimes i feel like it, it doesn't have open arms for us even if you try and have that intersectional talk
1: yeah it's so hard hey i asked my mom i gave her i spoke at a, a kind of like an international women's day um all that women festival what was it like a, a couple of years ago and I, I wanted to talk to my mom i was speaking you know about these different waves of feminism and i was kind of you know talking about the latest wave and um i asked my mom i was like are you a feminist and it was really funny because you know in in you know like on on paper she's totally totally a feminist right she um is you know kind of a community leader by like doing she would she would hate to say that but she is like she's always lived like she's always been um completely uh intersectional um you know, it has a real strong compass about giving back, spreading privilege, creating opportunity, she's a community worker, um, you know, had me quite late in life uh, as a single mother, escaped a domestic violence relationship. Like she has, you know, there's all these, like such strengths and values that you go, well, that's feminism. And she's like, I never identified as a feminist ever. Like she goes, oh, she goes, I do now after, you know, the conversations that she had with me and my sister, my daddy, they go, yeah, I'm a feminist, I guess. Like he said, like, proudly, but he, he's a cultural theory academic, so you know, you can't get an answer out of him without an hour, one hour lecture, but um, which is like me, I guess, now, <laughs> but but, um, but she said that, and I said, Well, and I said, Well, the, all these things that you do, and and when I look at you know, my aunties in the community, and uncles, even um, you know, and elders, not to be like, I guess, too gender binary about it, but to me, that's like feminist ideology and my mom's like yeah but for us it was just surviving we were just surviving so I think at the end of the day like whether you're a feminist or not it's just a word right we kind of have these labels to me to kind of group and solidarity to be able to have like a cohesiveness moving forward um, and that's where you know feminism has in a way failed because you know it's really worked well for women because they took on those values of I think in a lot of ways where it has been successful is you know they took on the values of um, those who have power and those are exclusive values. So I guess I don't know how to make someone else's feminism intersectional, but I think you know you need to look sideways, not upwards. And maybe it's about deconstructing, you know, deconstructing a system as opposed to trying to replicate those values. To me, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But you know, like you you can't just go well. Like, and I think it's, and, and also one of the things that this is, I think, is so important about this podcast and about the work that you do and the work you do, Miranda, is that I think so often we think of womanhood or this idea of woman as just being, it's like white is neutral. But mm. there's all types of different women, all types of different experiences, classes, sex, uh, you know, there's a whole, there's a, like the, the, the complexity within womanhood is, is vast but we don't see that representation and so often when we think of feminism and when we say the word woman, we just say white, like people think of white because they allow white to be neutral in the status quo. I think it's really important to shift that and part of that is, you know, like seeing, like like if you can see it, you can be it and if you can hear it, you can say it.
2: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, yeah, to be honest, I don't know what feminism did for like my grandmother. Um, it may have done it like, I don't actually know what it did for my mother either. Um, so, you know, I've always, I've always kind of had a a complicated relationship, I think with, um, um, I think I've always had a problem with it because, um you know, they took like, there's so much talk about breaking through the glass ceiling, but then there's other women that have got three or four glass ceilings to break. Um, and so, um, I think it's kind of, um, to me, it's, it's obviously the, the idea of women being seen as equal as men. Of course I believe in that, you know what I mean? Um, You know, and I do. I'm aware that there's that there's so many there's so many elements about pay and opportunity and um, so many things like this. The standard that's set for women is you know so hard. It's it's impossibly high. But um, you know, I think for it for the movement to actually work, it it needs to it needs to it needs to center like the women who the women who need to be heard the most. Mm. And um and it is it so it is about women that face other marginalizations when, when it comes to race, when it comes to ability, when it comes to sexuality. Um those 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 women are in the minority and their voices are the ones that need to be, you know, uh the women that hold the majority need to be the ones that
1: elevate those women. Mm. totally and I also think it's really important too like that um what you're saying like Miranda yeah and so often they go you know I think a problem with feminism is like they go well you know we wouldn't be equal to men it's like yeah but there's men aren't equal like do you think like a, a like a white woman like in a corporate ladder who like is slightly like conservative leading wants to be equal to a black man no she's already better than a black man so yeah. race inherently goes hand in hand with with equality Absolutely. and if you're not if you're not taking those people with you, then you're not trying to achieve equality. There's no political movement behind what you're doing. You're just trying to put yourself further up the ladder.
2: Yeah, like, um, it was just so funny, like, seeing the Oscars, like, when Taika won um, Adapted Screenplay and what happened online was all of these feminists going, oh, you know, um, the the director of Little Women... Um, who also adapted the film misses out again for, because of another man. And it's like, all of these people are like, you've missed the whole significance of the fact that like an indigenous, like a, well, a Maori man, um, yeah. an indigenous man from, a, from another country has just one, has just one adapted screenplay. You know, you're missing the point.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess it is that whole, uh, the fact is that that race trumps gender in a lot of cases. But it's um, comforting to hear you guys grapple with it as well because I, I find that, especially when that International Women's Day comes every year, you kind of go, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here and this feels weird. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I wanted to talk about you the fact that you guys have worked together, the two of you, um, quite a bit. And that's really beautiful to see, um, you know, your sisterhood kind of Bringing out these beautiful creative projects, and I wonder how did that start, and what you know keeps bringing you back to working together.
1: um Well, I just love her. <laughs> I, love I love you, Miranda May. Um, <laughs> um, I I think you know um, uh, I, I I love working with Miranda because we challenge each other. I think, even though we're kind of probably sounds like we agree all the time but it's i i, I get to, i feel i feel like i feel safe with you and that's feeling safe with you enables me to be able to 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 kind of ask bigger questions and try and take bigger leaps and be brave i think that's ultimately what it comes down to because i get to have that sisterhood that allows you to kind of you have a safety net yeah and that that's you and and i think um you know and also to like that like there's a diversity amongst Aboriginal women, we're not all the same. And I think that's really important to have those different types of representation. And I, like I, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a writer and an actor, you know, I love pop culture. And so I think having, you know, that conversation in a way that we can engage what we're passionate about being, you know, kind of pop culture stuff for me is really important
2: what was so beautiful about meeting Nakia was just how easy the conversation was. Um, throughout my twenties, I had lovely, supportive friends. Um, you know, but, um, I think it wasn't sort of until I moved to Sydney and met beautiful, like black women, like Nakia, where, I just could be I could actually just be myself, you know. Um I didn't have to censor, I didn't have to um I just didn't have to hide any I felt like um to be accepted I sort of had to not um not celebrate my aboriginality and and that was really hard because it was just like, well, I can't divorce myself from this. And I just felt like an empty shell of myself when I did that. And when I was with Nakira, I could say what I wanted. Um, I could, um, you know, I could, have, I could have my wacky sense of humour and she'd laugh mm-hmm. along at it. And um, it was, you know, I think it was really, uh, I felt really empowered Um, going on this journey with her because, you know, we were actually able to share the conversations that we have with other people and hopefully people that, you know, don't really interact with Aboriginal women like us on a daily
1: basis. Yeah. And I think it's really important to show, like, strength of community and solidarity and sisterhood because um, I think so often what happens is, you know, like, uh, you know, Quite often, you know um within power structures, like women will be pitted up against each other, black fellas will be pitted up against each against black fellas will be pitted up against each other. So I think the idea of going like for me I, I made um you know like I kind of made a a, a a decision to myself one day that i'm, I'm you know I don't really want to ever like kind of put any other person of color or woman down, like no matter how much you disagree with them just because we already have enough of other people doing that. So I think it's really important to see that there is bond and solidarity because it's really easy to say that, you know, it's really easy for a lack of uh, progress to often be blamed on marginalised groups because they say you can't get it together. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, or you're divisive and you can't even agree. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's often a tech, like a tool used against um, Black people and Black women. So yeah. I think it's really important just to, to highlight. That.
2: Yeah, but and also like non Indigenous people get to say what they want all the time, and you know, yeah, oh, and they get to grow and evolve because they get to like mess
1: fail up. upwards.
2: Yeah, they get to mess up. They get to say the wrong thing, and there's kind of no like repercussions for that. Do you know what I mean? And and while people yeah. should be pulled up for, you know, for being xenophobic or, um, you know, discriminatory in any way, it's still like people, um, like people learn from other people when they kind of get to explore their, like, opinion out loud. And Aboriginal people just don't have, don't get to do that a lot of the time. And it's kind of nice when, when people get to so when another black girl kinda of says something where you go, Okay, that I don't I don't agree with that at all. You just go, All right, sis, like speak your yeah. piece and say what you gotta say and like, you know, um and but you know, also just be aware that I'm not gonna agree with you, you know?
0: Mm. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when you, you're kind of thrust into the spotlight and sort of un, un, scarily, sometimes we're expected to speak for all Aboriginal people, and obviously we can't do that, but it's nice. It can be a really lonely, scary road, and if you have your sister beside you, it just feels so much easier. So I think that's yeah. yeah.
2: And what feels so good, I don't know if you feel this way, Marley, but if like, if you're ever like, if you're ever, if if you're ever sort of being um, if you're ever burdened with like you know and like a non-indigenous person saying oh I don't know about this can can I ask you about this or can you educate me on this and what can we do and all that sort of stuff do you feel good that you just can say listen to my podcast
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah. just I mean, drop the link just drop it in as a response yeah like,
2: <laughs> i don't know about you kia but that's what i'm going to be doing for the next like couple of like for the rest of the year i think i'm going to be going hey listen to this podcast with nikia and i because i already talk about mm. that quite in depth yeah so well, she talks like nikia talks about that quite in depth so well, I'll yeah, just drop you too. Here, and you just have a little listen
1: yeah i've already said it <laughs> Yeah. I mean I, I do get that, like when people like and I know it's super, super well meaning, but I've had a bunch of those messages. It's always, you know, like especially lately about how do I like how like how do I help it's like, oh I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I get I, I like I do, but like I I, I giggle it. Yeah. it. I yeah. I can't I don't have like I can reclaiming my time. Mm. But I know, you know, that's maybe part of the you know, part of the, the, the cost of um you know the work of it, but it also kind of takes away from your other work. Yeah,
0: it is a balance checking your energy yeah. levels and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you both for having this conversation with me. It is seriously, I can't tell you how much it means to me what both of you do, and um, you very much live that. You know, we can see you, and and I know the next generation feels like they can do a lot more because of what the both of you have done. And I think that um, this podcast is you know, a beautiful celebration of, of Aboriginal women. And, um, yeah, I can't wait for the world to hear it. thank you. Same
1: to you, Molly. Thank you. Yeah. back, Back at you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of always was always will be our stories. Thank you so much to Miranda and Nakia for being a part of this episode and fulfilling my little fangirl dream of being able to talk to you for it. Your new podcast sounds amazing. And if you guys want to hear it, I've listened to a few episodes. It's absolutely hilarious and also heartbreaking in parts and just a whole new part of our history that I didn't know about. It will be available on the 16th of June on Audible so you can get around it. That's debutante, race, resistance and girl power. If you are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe on wherever you're listening to us right now. Give us a good rating if you're enjoying it. Leave a comment or follow us on social media at Always Our Stories. This podcast is written, hosted, produced, edited, the whole bit by me, Marley Silver. And I do so on the unceded lands of the Dharawal people south of Sydney. And I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Stay deadly and I'll catch you next week.